Okay, look who we have here. It's time for the blue-white breakdown Penn Lives Penn State football podcast that sometimes delves into basketball. That's a long way of saying we might be talking about multiple things today. I'm Bob Flounders, joined on a 70-degree Thursday by Dave Jones, who is with his dog Kaiser in Downingtown. He's ready to go. Dave, I see you're wearing a Virginia. I am. You know, what are the chances? So you're going to bring up Poindexter right away? Is that in honor of Anthony? No, it was just, I I looked down and I thought, geez, this keeps happening. I wear this for him. I wear Pitt for James Franklin. I think you love that. That was a nice touch. That was, I, every, every shirt I have that I wear in the house and out of the house these days is a college t-shirt. You know me. I mean, I, I probably have a hundred. So somebody's going to pop up every day. It's just total chance. Yeah. Are you still in the winter? Were you still wearing that, um, that UCLA? It was like a combo it was UCLA, uh, sweatpants and a UCLA. Was it a shirt? Remember? Oh, it was a hoodie, man. You still got I, it? it was the, the best hoodie I ever had. I got it from a, a bootlegger outside of the I had a bootleg UCLA guy. yes I, he was a bootlegger sitting outside um the um Indianapolis one of those circle circle drive hotels I can't I, it was a window I was there and I bought it this guy was like perched outside the restaurant kind of in between the I don't know how he did it but he got a table like outs outside almost outside and he was selling this stuff I'd never seen before. It certainly wasn't licensed merchandise. He was just this guy. And it was beautiful and embroidered. It had those beautiful colors, the blue, the baby blue and the, and the gold. And I loved that thing, man. It was all embroidered. It was perfect. And I left it on, I think I left it on the back of my car as I went down the driveway one day. And I think when I pulled out of the driveway, it just plopped onto Norwood Road and some jackass picked it up. And Don't blame the jackass, Dave. Who left it on the back of his <laughs> if, car? If you look around and you can't find the jackass, you're the jackass. Uh, you're it, yeah. If you can't find the mark, Dave, in the room, after looking around, <laughs> I think you might be the mark. But that thing was beautiful. That was my favorite sweatshirt of all time. Yeah, I'm, I'm really into... Uh, College t-shirts, college sweaties. You are too, Connor. You, you. Sure. Yeah. I got you that. I got you that nice Clemson uh, visor. Once my, once my head shrinks about two inches in diameter, it's going to be all I wear. It was too small. Well, look at the look at this. Look, look at this. Yeah, look at this. you kind of like, got. Oh, a, you kind of like got Mark a, Lennon's light over you here. You kind of got a Michael Robinson, Oprah Winfrey yeah. size head it's there. Tough, it's tough. To, my neck's exhausted a lot just from trying to. Just trying to carry the weight of it. Stronger. Stronger than it would normally be. Well, my head keeps expanding, so that's the problem. The average human head weighs eight pounds. Didn't the kid on Jerry Maguire say that? But but yours is 12. Mine's about 12 or 13, unfortunately. Dave, I've read uh, what you wrote about Poindexter. I really liked it. Uh, What was your uh, one or two impressions uh, about Penn State's new co-defensive coordinator, Safety's coach. I love the fact that he talked about how the safety position has changed from when he played to how it's played now. And he was pretty candid and said, you know, I don't know how well I, I would do in today's game because 
he was a different kind of safety. Yeah, it was your suggestion. I should give you credit because that was okay. a really good idea. It was based yep. on yep. that great game 25 years ago that you attended in right. November. It was like Halloween, right? November, yeah. It was November or late October. Yeah. The uh, 19, staff, 1990, staff was there. 1995. Yes. Great tailgating night. Yep. You might have had a beer or two. I might have had a couple beers with Dan Carroll, Rod Frisco, Jay Rotz, Fred Sprunk, Tom Flynn. Yeah, I'll name drop. Was that a good setup at Scott Stadium? I know Rutgers kind of uh, left you guys in a tizzy. You yeah. weren't happy about Rutgers. Didn't Probably the best game I've ever seen on the college level. Um, in person. Yeah, but just because of the fact that you, you described it, Florida State never lost. They owned the league. And no one really realized how talented that Virginia roster would go yeah. on to be. Yeah. And they yeah. played them off their feet, man. I knew a little bit. It was a really big get for UVA, for George Welsh especially, to get the Barber brothers. Uh, Tiki and Rondé were, were legendary at Cave Spring High School which was really a Virginia Tech outpost, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's over in the uh, Blue Ridge mm -hmm. uh, in Roanoke. And my, more, one of my best friends, Doug Aloff, you, you, you met Doug back in the day. Mm -hmm. He went to school there. Um, it was a big deal for UVA to get those guys. And Tiki had one of the greatest games uh, any back has ever had on national TV. I think it was 313 yeah. um, total yards. Uh, 193 on the ground and was Florida state couldn't stop them. And yep. you didn't see that very often out of Florida state in the mid nineties, but yep. it came down to one play where uh, should I do it? Like Bobby Bowden? We had, we had, we had a six yards to go. <laughs> and we're talking over there on the sideline. And I said, why don't, why don't, why don't we, why don't you know we do what? Something? You know what we ought to do? You know what I'd like to do? <laughs> why don't, God dang, why don't we? And they did a, a direct snap to, you know, another one of the greatest players of all time. Um, especially college players. Well, well, didn't work done have like a knee injury then later in his He was just a little career. He was a little guy. I, I always small. he was he was pretty good in, on the NFL level too, but he just wasn't big enough. I think to not not such a force as he was in the NFL. Yeah, and but 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 Florida State, even though they had Danny Cannell playing quarterback, they were pretty much a downhill. Yeah, I know. It's not like you 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 highlight him anyway, and they were a downhill two back. It's a different era, man, and safeties had to be different. But they had a. One back set this time with uh, Dunn's kind of over to the left of Cannell. Uh, they've got an extra wide out. They've got an extra guy in the slot. So um, Poindexter had to be over on top of that guy. And he was it was designed that way because they wanted to run that ball. I mean, all of these receivers were just decoys. Yeah. And it's not like an RPO play or something, some sort of option play like you have now. Um, they were going to run that ball, and they believed work done could get it in the end zone. And they were—it was a great call. I mean, it was—it was a brilliant call. What did you guys think when you saw it? I mean, were you on that side of the field? I on think that end? we were. I think we might have found our way onto the field for that. <laughs> but I don't think we had a great view of it. it was, were you were rushing the field to play before? Oh, we definitely you? rushed the field. 
Yeah, I mean the play before, like like a hundred people ran into the. Yeah, the, yeah, it was uh the end crazy. of the game was it's a, it's a little blurry for a lot of reasons, Dave. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, go ahead. well, they had to shoo about a hundred people off the play, and there was still six, <laughs> four seconds to go. They're on the six yard line, and they run this direct snap to Dunn, and they've got it blocked, and there's like one guy holding down the fort who's a, a linebacker who's or no another safety whose name I can't remember but Poindexter had to recognize that immediately he runs off his receiver runs behind the defense to a point where he thinks maybe Dunn will be near the goal line and makes the finishing part of the tackle I mean it was kind of like the last tackle that Penn State made in the Wisconsin game mm-hmm. where Grant Haley gets all the all the credit, but if Marcus Allen doesn't come in there and right. help out, it's going to be a first down. Right. This was the same thing. If Poindexter doesn't come out, come over and help out, it's a touchdown and Florida State wins because that's the last play. It was yeah. critical. And and the recognition and the fact that um he had instincts to know that as soon as he saw the ball leave, he was he was boom. And I don't know if you can teach that. So that's what I was asking Anthony is, can you teach that kind of thing? And his answer got into a lot of about, I mean, he was a hammer dropping strong safety, man. I mean, he, he was like David Fulcher, not that big, but yeah. like, like, could, could somebody like David Fulcher play in today's game? Absolutely. In not. The NFL? No. Roy Williams couldn't play. No. Right. No. Uh, those guys would be obsolete. And yet David Fulcher was a great player for the Bengals in the, the late 80s and early 90s, he couldn't play anymore. The game has just completely changed. So so Anthony kind of got into the fact that, hey, I don't, I don't think I could – he couldn't play in the NFL quite then. He certainly couldn't play yeah. now, and he didn't think he could play, really excel even in the college game right now because yeah. he was a different kind of safety. Yeah, and I, and I think that knee injury really, any chance he had, that, that kind mm-hmm. of really – that really kind of took it away from him because it, that he, he went from being – you know, a great run stopper who could who could do, do some things. So I, I think the knee held him back almost as much as his, his body. He didn't think he could run around in space these days. Yeah. This is the gist of it. So, Dave, this is a perfect lead into Penn State's spring practice. I know you're a big Penn State spring practice guy. You always have been. Starting, it starts Monday. It's going to go for about a month. Dave, there might not be a blue-white game uh, this year because of – you know, COVID protocols and all that. So, Bob, don't tell me that. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's, gonna say it's not so. It's going to break your heart. You can't do that to me. <laughs> Dave, Dave, so let's just generally, the way I thought we would approach spring is, I want to pick up where, what you saw from Penn State last year. So to, I'm going to give you like four things and I want your thoughts on which one do you think is the most important thing that Penn State needs to get better at from last year to this year? I, I have, got two things right off the top of oh, my well, head. But you, you go ahead. You no, go no, no. ahead. I, yeah. I mean, I'd rather hear it from you. But what's how about what's the number one thing on your list? I think they're interchangeable. I think they've got to be they they've got to continue to improve at wide out. They've got to stretch the field. And their DBs have to be able to to run. If they're going to play speed defense, then yeah. they better play steep speed defense. And right now, 
uh-huh. they're kind of small and slow, wouldn't you say? There's the secondary is the secondary was embarrassed against Maryland, right? In, in my mind, um, yes. Those yes. those are going to be the mo- more prevalent teams out there in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that don't have a lot of butt kicking talent at scrimmage are going to follow the Minnesota Maryland template where if you get two or three really good wideouts, you can play keep away and right. you don't have to, to play smash mouth at the line. I mean, it's just progressing farther and farther in that direction. Yeah. And Maryland was shredding them up and Minnesota kind of did in the first half the year before. Yeah. And those are all really good NFL wideouts. Penn state hasn't had any of those guys. Maybe, maybe they got one now, but they need more and they need more guys who can cover them. That's what I think they need the most of to me. You can say whatever you want about Sean Clifford, but Minnesota and Maryland have not, not had great uh, gifted quarterbacks. Tanner Morgan, what? You're gonna, are you going to dog Tanner Morgan? I love I, Tanner Morgan, but you know what I mean. Yeah. 18 uh, for 20 against Penn State in that he's, game. He's accurate. And not only that, he's got guys who can make catches. Yeah. Make catches. If they're out here, over here, over here. I mean, Tyler Johnson and and the rest of those guys two years ago, they were they were really, really good. Yeah. If you got those guys, you can win ball games without a, a really super talented quarterback, without a super talented running back. You can do a lot, even without a super talented offensive line. You just gotta be able to get the ball out quick. Yeah. That's so I was gonna ask you, Mike Yursich, who you wrote about, we both think he's the he he potentially is the real deal uh a football guy proved it at oklahoma state had a year at ohio state uh did some good things at texas last year do you think dave that he can coach clifford up to be the one thing with sean is i like that i would like him to be more decisive and sudden with his decisions not hold on to the ball Either get it out right away or throw it away, but don't. He, I thought he in a lot, a lot in a lot of games early, he made his offensive line look a little worse than it was because he wouldn't get rid of the ball, and well, sometimes, and sometimes he just did not make some very accurate throws. I it, think he it, can be cleaned up. It seemed like, yeah, he when your feet are wrong, that's when you make those throws. Uh, Hackenberg had the excuse that he was constantly getting beat up, and that's why right. his feet were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Clifford seems to think he's a little more mobile than he is. Do you agree with that? <laughs> I know what that you're. I know what you're saying there. More, yeah. more elusive than he yeah. is, and he gets himself in situations that right. he shouldn't because he thinks he can extend plays, and then he can't against some of these guys. Uh, so maybe right. it takes somebody to tell him, "Look, yeah," and maybe Mike, Mike will be that guy. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that I heard that Mike uh, recruited a four-star quarterback though in the interim, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. One that is should be one of the better ones. He's going to wear fourteen though, Dave. And I, I gave this trivia question to Greg Pickle. There are a lot of guys, man. Can you name Can you name Penn State's most famous or infamous guys who Anthony wore Anthony Morelli? Your I favorite. Knew it. I knew you would get that one. Then Then you got Hackenberg. Then you've got well, you've got Blackledge. That's right. That's right. Um, you've you got aced it. you aced it. That's three, isn't it? Aren't there more? 
I think those are the Buster three Mabel most, or somebody I can't. Those think. are the most prominent ones. Yeah. I think you yeah. got you got all the bases covered. But yes, they did get uh, they they got a, a four star that a lot of people I think uh, really liked. So that's that speaks well for the future. But they when you're going to wear he's going to wear fourteen. Yeah, he yeah. wants to wear fourteen. He wants to wear a 14. That must be his number, yeah. Dave, you know who else wore 14? Craig Morton. He was so great with the Cowboys. He ruined Super Bowl V for me, Dave. Ruined it. <laughs> but in Super Bowl VI, he came over and congratulated the coach yeah. from the sideline where he was coach the Landry, whole Landry, I'm happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy you're next to me, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy Rogers out on the field winning the Super Bowl. That's, um, that's just mean. One more thing I wanted to touch upon on spring. I thought that Penn, you you had written this last year, because of how they approached the preseason leading up to the season and the protocols and all that, no, not a lot of contact and, and practice. And it took them a couple of weeks, especially on defense, to kind of just get used to being physical again. They missed so many tackles, Dave, early in the season, especially in the Ohio State and Maryland games, to me in general, they got to tackle better at every level because they left too many plays that could have been no gains or TFLs or short of third downs on the field and teams were able to extend drives on them. I really think, and maybe Poindexter can get the safeties more consistent at that, but they, they just need to be more sound tackling because you can't, you can in in this day of the spread, Dave, you can't let the other team turn a four-yard gain into a 27 Well, I, I thought they were out of position a lot of times, and sometimes that's why they, they were Sometimes tackles. they just missed tackles, yeah. yeah but they I think if they were more astute about position, they would be turning, you know, reverse turning 50-yard gains into 15. Yeah. Uh, some of the, A couple of those Maryland uh, yeah. catch and runs, they went forever because they weren't these, yeah. Those were simple pick routes, and they just didn't get around them. Yeah, that five-star uh, receiver, I think, turned Tariq Castro Fields around at least once. Yeah. Then Lamont Wade, could, I don't think, could catch him. That's like getting over a pick in basketball, man. You just got to do it. It's the, yeah. it's the same principle. You got to get there. And if you don't get there against guys like that, you're screwed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're, it's, then it's a chunk play. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're not the most gifted um, DBs that we've seen here, but I, that I, to me, that's what Poindexter can do the best with. I mean, that's that's where he can improve guys, where he can coach guys up if he can do that. Yeah, I'll be curious to see his impact because they just they they. And the other thing, Dave, is every game at home against like at Beaver Stadium, the defense got torched in the first half. They were giving up 21, 24 points a game, and it was only it was only at home which is weird, but they just, they just didn't seem like they were ready to go at the start of games. I don't understand that. Well, look, I mean, it was an outlier season it was. It in was. a lot of ways. Uh, you have to remember what we were thinking this time last year. Right. I mean, the, the thing came at us like a tsunami. I was just watching Shepard Smith last night and they, they did an exact one year ago. Right thing and we didn't really even we didn't have any idea what we were dealing with you, you you got a little more comfortable with what you thought was like remember you didn't want to go outside right. well by by may or june you you pretty much figured out you can go outside you can walk by somebody on the trail without doing this <laughs> it was it was certain situations where you were 
you were in close proximity. And the football people didn't know what that was going to bring. So do you, do you allow contact? They didn't know what they were dealing with. Uh, and you, I think you have to practice contact to be good at contact. So some teams were better than others. I think maybe Penn State had been deficient in the area you're talking about in, in being in position to make tackles and tackling even before this. So maybe uh, the, the vaccinations and everyone getting, getting around to, to maybe normalcy will help. I think it will. Yeah, I just want to see you. I want to see a smile on your face, Dave, at the blue and white game if they hold it. I want you there. I want you. I know you look forward to it every year. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a great weather day. I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll just see what happens. As long as as long as things are a little bit easier in the fall, I think that's all. Uh, from from covering Penn from a, a Penn State coverage standpoint, I think that's all we can ask for, right? Yeah, the the blue white game has always been for fans. If you can't have fans, do you remember what's how, the point? Do you remember how ticked off Bill O'Brien got when Zach Swinek broke his wrist in the blue white game? And like, <laughs> I forgot about you that. Remember that? He yeah. was, and we're doing this for what? We're doing yeah. this for what? You yeah. know, he, th- yeah. that, that's a guy who had no, he was probably the antithesis of James Franklin in, in so many ways, but in, in, in that specific way. Yeah. The, they, you 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 would really you got to give Dave Joyner a lot of credit for hiring this guy and then that guy in two different yeah. situations. I don't care what people think about Dave Joyner regarding Paterno; it doesn't matter to me. What matters is that he cleaned up the mess and then he built something. I mean, you can't name two more different kinds of people, and yet he saw the gift of both of them in two different situations. And I don't think anyone expected that out of Dave, really. He was Dave, just kind of thrust into that job. But, yeah. but O'Brien had no tolerance for empty promotion. He was about the job, you know? He was about getting the job done. And the whole blue-white thing, he just had no use for it because it was just a giant promotion. Yeah. Where James... That's his glory, man. He's going to make a show out of it, have the reporter uh, try to catch a font. Yeah, yeah. You know, this, is, this was about what the next stage was. The one stage was just keeping the ship afloat. Then the next stage was rebranding the entire enterprise. Right. And, and James, frankly, rebranded it in his image. It was, it was brilliant what he's done because he's made, he made everyone forget the entire paterno sandusky thing he made it all drift out of everyone's minds and i really didn't think that was possible i mean who who even talks about that anymore when when recruits talk about penn state they don't don't, that's because of franklin that isn't because of uh, bill bill kept the ship afloat but but franklin rebranded the entire enterprise because he loves promotion he loves things like blue white and he really does. I mean, he loves the people. He loves mugging in front of the people and saying hi to people. And and he's the antithesis of a guy who is just about the job, just wants to do the job. I'm here to win games. I'm going to win games. Completely different people, but perfect in their in their individual situations there. Dave Joyner also hired, hired Kale Sanderson. So that's a pretty good trifecta. 
geez, I forgot about that. He's only the greatest coach in history of organized sports. Too bad he's not there now to hire a basketball coach. Perfect segue. I, I, I love it. I wanted to ask you, uh, by the way, it's the blue-white breakdown. This is going to be the basketball edition, but Dave Jones and I, Bob Flans, we're talking Penn State football. We talked a little, we talked a little Florida State football earlier. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but Dave, let's switch it to basketball. I have three things to get to with you. One, I'll let you have it. Uh, St. Joe's isn't in the tournament, Bob. Shut up, Dave. Um, uh, just so I get that out of the way. We're taping, we're taping this on Thursday at noon, just for you guys, so you guys know this. Penn State, as we talk, is still in the Big Ten tournament. It's a fluid right. situation. And what can you just tell me, your thoughts in general, Penn State's season, at, from what you've seen from it real quick, and also they're going to make a decision very soon on their next basketball coach. What can you share with you our have a You have a very strange juxtaposition, juxtaposition between hiring a coach to replace an interim and the interim possibly doing something that makes it impossible for him to be dismissed now they are now 11 and 13 overall um eight and 12 uh in the in the league in a normal year eight and 12 is probably not good enough out of the big 10 this year it's pretty impressive and they've got right. i think they've got four quad one wins now they're, I, I didn't look at their net today. I imagine it's about 37, 38. Uh, they were 34 in, the, uh, in, the, in Ken Palm yesterday. Those are good numbers. So if they can beat Wisconsin tonight, who's been really struggling, Wisconsin's got great numbers, but they've been struggling late, lately. They've lost five out of six. They look really kind of log-legged and tired and white bread and Penn State is a team that matches up pretty well with them if Wisconsin's not playing fast. I mean, I mean making decisions fast. Wisconsin never plays fast. Uh, if they if they they win this game tonight at nine o'clock in Indianapolis, things are going to get really interesting for Sandy Barber because she's been interviewing. I think I think she's gonna gonna she's been focusing on. African-American candidates. Uh, I don't believe, for instance, Mike Rhodes is in the picture. I think they, they kind of took some sort of pipe dream at, at Beeline or Thad Mana and, and decided, well, we'll pay for, I've heard the search firm has, has said they would pay for a coach like that, like they have any chance of getting those coaches. They don't. I mean, Penn State has a reputation for doing things on the cheap, Nobody like Thad Mana, who's been out of it for four years and has a ha house in Naples that he spends six months out every year, is going to get back into it to go to state college winters and 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 coach for pro for, for most definitely the toughest job in the league. Why would he do that uh, with with back and foot problems that might not be well? He's not going to do that. John Beeline's been in the national championship game twice. Is he going to get back in at sixty? eight years old, 66, 67, whatever he is, to fight this job. It's a, it would be a total rebuilding process. He didn't have that much time. So forget that. They're not going to pay for, for anybody else is what I've heard. And Jim Ferry might end up being the most expedient 
cheapest option. Uh, who do you think? I'll put this. I'll put this to you, Greg. Not Greg, but I'll put it to you, Bob. Greg Marmalard. I know what you're doing. Um, who is the cheapest coach right now? Who has the the smallest contract per per year? Who's making the least this year, outside of Jim Ferry, of any coach in the Big Ten? You have five seconds. Oh my gosh! It, is it? Is it? Uh, it's Nebraska. It's got to be. They stink. You could guess about eight times, and you wouldn't get it. Uh, all right, then tell me. Jawan Howard. Really? Two point wow. one million. Yes. That is according a really to, good trivia. According question. to USA Today's database. Now, what does that tell you? What it tells me is that black coaches have been neglected so often and so routinely in college athletics, especially in a sport where about 55% of the players are black and more than half of the assistants are black. How can there be so few, only a quarter of, of the coaches or less are, are, are black, the head coaches? Well, that, that just shows you. Here's Juwan Howard. Look, I was skeptical about his, his capabilities for this job because he hadn't been a head coach. But he had all that time in the NBA. It clearly resonated with kids. They have been completely bought in. I talked to Phil Martelli a couple, three weeks ago. Thank you. Phil, Phil sings about him. I mean, just sings about his acumen, his astuteness that he knows exactly what he's doing and how much he learned in the NBA. And yet, Juwan Howard couldn't get more than $2 million a year. And what does that tell you? It tells you that these guys are pretty much willing to, to do anything to just get a chance because they haven't been given a chance because of rich donors who want somebody who kind of looks like them. You saw, you saw what, what I wrote about Charles Huff and what he said, right? The, 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 that it's not necessarily racism. It's just a bunch of donors who weeds, wield such power in college athletics who want somebody that kind of looks like they do and talks like they do. And where are you going to meet those guys? Are you going to, you're going to meet them in the country club. You're going to meet them around where you are. How many of those are black coaches? Very few. Right. And they wield such power in college athletics compared to the NFL or uh, any other pro league where it's basically one guy, it's the owner. And if he signs off on it, it's done. Well, what do owners want to do in the NFL? They want to win. They just want to win. But that stuff is all over in the NFL. I mean, we had Tony Dungy go to a Super Bowl and win it. We had Mike Tomlin go and win two. We had Dennis Green who could have won one very easily. So the, the people are just hiring the best coach in the NFL. Would you agree at this point? They're, they're really colorblind, I think, right? Well, I think diversity is definitely an issue uh, in terms of getting, even just getting interviews, but there, have, there, there has been some success, but I, I, I would think that they can get a lot better at it. Closer to colorblind in the NFL than in college yeah, athletics. Right. That's, I you, would better believe, you better believe it. And that's because there, there are these intermediaries in the process, these, these donors and people you got to please. And the presidents and the ADs want to please those guys because they're writing the checks, man, not the owner. So that's the problem with college athletics. Uh, I understand that Penn State probably is eager to repudiate any image problems they had 
or, or wipe them away from Patrick Chambers' dismissal uh, based on inappropriate racial comments. And they're looking at, at an African-American hire partly for that reason, I believe. Uh, but there's also the factor that a lot of these guys just don't get a fair chance. They don't get a fair shake. And it ain't all bad if, if Penn State hires one of these guys because Dennis Gates, frankly, has a really impressive resume. So does Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, these are guys who've proven they can do the job. Is somebody going to give them a chance? Now, I would have picked Mike Rhodes uh, from VCU because, to me, he's just the best candidate for Penn State. But right behind him would have been a couple of, uh, of the minority hires. And I think that's where they're going to go. Dave Jones in 30 seconds or less. March Madness is almost here. Give me two teams that you like the best that can win the NCAA tournament, likely winners. Give me two. Uh, Baylor, I think, is, you know, I, I, I liked Michigan until they got their doors blown off by Illinois. Um, and Illinois isn't always the most astute team because I think Trent Frazier is going to, going to do some goofy stuff at some point, but my God, uh, DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, and, and they've got this, this incredible little freshman, um, Mexican point guard, who's Curbelo, who has eyes in his, the back of his head. I mean, I, I love that team. I just am worried about Trent Frazier, who I think is is kind of like a wild hair in the whole in the whole thing. Uh, so right now I'm back into Illinois' camp in the Big Ten, but I think Baylor, I think Scott Drew has the best team he's ever had. You know who's a, 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 a kind of a black, uh, a dark horse in this whole thing is and has a. This is the kind of year where someone weird could win because all the Duke is out now. They they had a. Uh, COVID protocol. Um, all the all the heavyweights are not as good as they were. Louisville might not make the tournament. North Carolina, none of these. The, the Kentucky's got a losing record. They're not going to be in it. So, so somebody unusual could win this thing. I could see two teams really making a run. One, Florida State, mm -hmm. because they're in every game with Leonard Hamilton and Dennis Gates from Cleveland State is that's that's his protege. Uh, uh, Leonard is his mentor, and. The other one, I, I, West Virginia is a really interesting team and they've played in a very good league and Bob Huggins suddenly has a bunch of shooters, which he hasn't before. Um, he hasn't very often. The last time he did was 2010 and they went to the final four. Wouldn't it be something if Bob Huggins, who is again snubbed for the Naismith Hall of Fame nominations, could would win the national championship this year i think i think that would be cool as hell so i'm pulling for it. all right so i asked you for two you gave me four so illinois i gave you three illinois no, i did give you four yeah illinois yeah. baylor west virginia and illinois and baylor would be my favorites um and then with with the other two um kind of kind of kind of dark horses so we'll we'll see all right all right also, you don't you don't really comprehend what thirty seconds or less means, but we're going to let that go. We're going to hey, let my, go. Clock, my clock says meeting time remaining two forty six. All right, we just got we just got hurried along from young Greg Pickles, so we're going to leave it here. I'm sure when we talk again, 
you're going to have some other thoughts about Penn State's basketball program and also March Madness. But or, uh, Dave, always a pleasure. Give my best to Kaiser and enjoy, Kaiser. The, rest, enjoy Kaiser. the rest of the day. Say goodbye. Always oh, sleepy now. Oh, sleepy. somebody needs a W. Sleepy. <laughs> All, All right, right, man. See you Take guys. Care. See ya.